Dave, I was wondering who you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, my friends are very gracious. Um, and I always have appreciated them. I, just standing up here today, I'm just very cognizant of how hard it is to say goodbye. I'm aware that this robe was given to me by a people that I had to say goodbye to. My first pastorate, they was an interim pastorate, and I was being ordained, and they bought the robe. I've been wearing it ever since. It's a gift. And in fact, the stole, all of them are a gift from you. An occasion when someone said, what would you like? My stoles are kind of worn out, and so you purchased these for me. It's a gift. And so I'm aware today that all we have is a gift. We own nothing. We are simply stewards of what we have been given and the time that we have to work and to do. So nothing is permanent. And I'm very aware that I was talking with my physician this week, whom has been my cardiologist for 20 plus years, and he pulled me through a really tight spot years ago with atrial fibrillation. And he, I said to him that we were probably going to be moving to Santa Barbara at some point. And he said, what will the people at Westminster Church do? And I paused and I said, well, we all leave sometime. They will do okay. I got a letter from him two months ago telling me that he was retiring. So I had a conversation with him this week, and I said uh, to my good doctor friend, I said, by the way, you know, I made a statement. uh, What are we going to do, those of us who are your patients? And he said, you're going to do just fine. Uh, And we talked about that, and we've agreed that we'll have breakfast at some point. So we've been here 44 and a half years. We came on February the 1st, 1977, and I'll talk a little more about that as our brunch. But I want to read the New Testament passage this morning, and I'm bookending two of my key passages, which I believe have been part of my understanding of what I have been about and we have been about in the ministry from Jeremiah that Dave read from was about the covenant, about being, about being a part of, about being faithful. This one comes on the other bookend from the book of James. James is one of my favorite writers because he's very pragmatic, and as most of you know, if it doesn't have some application, I don't have much to do with it. So let's listen. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, keep warm, and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works, and by my works will show you my faith. It's the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's for Pat and I a day of some tension, obviously. You know, I I don't say goodbye well. 
I don't like engaging in grief, but it's a part of life and it's part of what we do. So if you don't mind, I'm going to open this with a story to kind of break the tension, okay? Any of you from Minnesota? Any of you live in Minnesota? No one. Any of you ever heard of the Ole and Lena stories from Minnesota? Yes. At least I have a couple of people. All right, so we spent some time in Chicago, and I became familiar with this repertoire of stories about Ole and Lena. They're probably the Norwegian equivalent of Polish jokes. Okay. So here's the story. It seems that Ole and Lena had been members of this church all of their lives. The parents were members. They were farmers. They had grown up there. And Pastor Olson came to that church some 25 years before. And Ole and Lena didn't like Pastor Olson then, and they didn't like him any better later. And so I think on Sunday mornings after the sermons, probably they had, as part of their meal, hashed Olson. Well, on one Sunday morning, Pastor Olson stood up in the pulpit like this. He said, friends, I've been talking to Jesus all week, and I've been praying a lot, and I've come to the conclusion that I need to accept a call to another church on the other side of the state. And I realize that this is going to be held with a lot of pain and difficulty, and we've got to know somebody very, very well. But when Jesus calls, it's time to go, and we need to do that. So he finished his sermon, and after the sermon of prayer and some of his liturgy, and then he said at the end, um, I wonder if today some of you might have a favorite hymn you'd like to sing. And so Ole and Lena were sitting in the far back, as far back as they could get, which is where they usually sat. And Ole stood up and he said, Pastor Olson, on such an auspicious occasion of this, I think we should sing What a Friend We Have in Jesus. So if you've been patiently waiting for me to go, <laughs> 44 and a half years, you know, you're very patient people. Uh, let me kind of dig into what I wanted to say today and some things. One of the things that captured me early on in my transition to being a Presbyterian was this passage from Jeremiah. And this understanding of the Old Testament, throughout the entire Old Testament, we keep seeing these words, and they're, they're a liturgy, if you will, but of deep meaning. I shall be your God, and you shall be my people. Those are powerful, powerful words. It's not something we initiate, God is the initiator. It's not something we have to drum up and dig up and fight for. It's there. And our job is response to be God's people. One part of ministry is about the business of being. Being the people of God. Being together. One part of my ministry has been about that. It's one part. 
I was looking through my computer files, cleaning it off, transitioning to a newer computer, which will handle the new Windows. I don't get rid of anything until it doesn't work anymore, if you haven't noticed that. And I went through the services, and I had each one of them, some of them by name, listed that I had done a witness to the resurrection for. There were over 200. I recognize all but two names, and I think those were calls that I got from someone at Valley Oaks who wanted a Presbyterian minister, and they were hard-pressed, and I really didn't know who they were. But it was like a prayer. I relived each one of those services, and each of the lives, and each had a story. I realized this was a holy event. There was a life story. And we as a church, in some way or another, gathered to support, to be the people of God. And so we celebrated those lives. Some of those lives went a long, long time. And we had a lot of celebrations about those. Some others were far, far too short. But we came together as the children of God, being the people of God, and having God support us in that, even though we didn't understand it. And it was hard. I looked in another file, the weddings. And over this period of time, I think I have officiated at some 100 weddings or more. And as with the services of witness resurrection, I felt very honored to be asked to officiate at those. Those are important times, important events. And so likewise, I went through the weddings and I recognized all but maybe a couple and I didn't remember where those were, but... 98 of them I remembered. I remember the services and I remember the people. I remember celebrating those special times with them. Some marriages, like all marriages, end either in death or divorce. And we had some of that. And some are really thriving and doing well. And we celebrate that. I had an occasion, and once in a while this happens, I was having my car repaired. Someone had stopped a little shorter than longer than I did. And this lady walked up to me and she said, do you remember me? And I looked at her and I said, I should. I said, tell me some more. He said, you married us 25 years ago. I said, okay, give me your names. And then I remembered who they were. And we talked about that. They have teenagers that are going to high school. It was an important occasion, and I think it was important that she saw me that she wanted to talk about that, and she wanted to say thank you, and, you know, things were going okay. It's a time where we came together as a people of God to listen to two people sharing their promises to each other before God and these witnesses, the witnesses, the people of God. 
being the people of God and supporting folks who come together in that way. Being in the presence of God. Being God's people. And there were the baptisms. By the way, this robe has been, I think, at all of those. It's an old robe. Uh, my tailor said when I took it in to be cleaned, he said, why do you want to fix this? And I said, this robe and I are good friends. We've been around a long, long time. Baptisms. Again, God's people making promises. Parents bringing their children before the congregation, the people of God, making those promises. And teachers in the congregation and those of the whole congregation making promises saying, we support you, the family, and your children. J.R., I can remember on a number of occasions saying, J.R., they're only about 16 years away. And that's been true, hasn't it? We've just been a feeder. They're coming. Sooner, perhaps, than we think. We've been about nurturing young ones. We've been about mission trips. We've been on vacation Bible school. All kinds of ways to nurture being the people of God. I think my favorite part of a baptism is when I take a young child in my arms and I walk down the aisle and around and I say, let's meet the family. That's who we are. That's our identity. We don't always get along real well. And certainly over 44 and a half years, we've all had our hurts and our pains and our difficulties. But in spite of all that, we are still the people of God. And then there have been times in the hospital where we've been together, supported by prayer, especially when we feel vulnerable. There have been meals taken by some of you to people who are in need been there to just walk the path Stephen's minister's doing. That's what it means to have an identity. We are not just our own. We are the children and the people of God. And we respond to that. The second piece about being the people of God is what James refers to, and that's not just the identity, understanding who we are, but it's what we do. And what we do is important. I remember when I was in industry and we would listen to people do briefings, one of my colleagues says, watch their lips, but more importantly, watch their feet. (laughs) It's what they're saying matching the dance they're doing around what they're saying. It means that what we do has consistency. That we do something. It's more than being just in our world. The test is in the doing. I want to just talk a little about some of that doing that's happened that I've had some relationship with and some not. Makobe. Do you remember Makobe, Kenya? Some of you? There are 21 girls who were orphaned because of the AIDS epidemic. They were destined for not a really good future and... Moses Pillay introduced us there, and we went over and we built a building for them to stay in, and we began to organize stuff, and a number, a couple of, number of people got together, 
organized a structure. We started raising money. The town, like most developing countries, the worst thing you can do is have bad water, and that's what they mostly have. So what do we do? We raised some money and we drilled wells. We took the girls in. We provided for their care. We went over there. I'll never forget the mango tree where they had vacation Bible school, 100 kids. And in the process of that, one of the couples that was with us saw a young a mother bringing a child who was disabled, who was a special needs child. And so they picked up on it and found out there were a lot of special needs kids in the community. And that involved the school getting engaged, which was about to be closed. That became later one of the top 25 schools in Kenya because some people got engaged into it. And it was a special needs program around the community, and there's not one anywhere else, and the teacher there became consultant nationally. Why? Because some people did something. Haiti. Bob Sears is still doing that. A country where it's been described to me as where good intentions come to die. People who try to work in Haiti give up. They walk away from it. It's just overwhelming. It's overwhelming politically, corruption, It's overwhelming in terms of what happens. It's overwhelming because of economics. So Bob and some others have been involved over there with with some other Presbyterians, and there's a school that's going on. We've partnered with the Episcopal Church. And we're responsible for running the clinic. About 95% of the people in Haiti never see a doctor. In this small community, there's a clinic. There's a place for children who are malnutrition. We're there. People doing, and many of you have financially supported that. And the shelter here. Some of you provide food. Some of you provide coordination. And the hardest job, some of you have slept over. And some have been afraid of the homeless. And I grant you, there's some reality to that. But most of the people who come to the shelter here are afraid and they're looking for safety. They know it's dangerous on the street. They come here. We've been a part of that. Westminster Free Clinic was born in this closet right back here. And it moved out to here, to the back of the sanctuary, and kept growing. The Fellowship Center now has its own facility, and now they're also working in Oxnard. Why? Because some people just saw a vision for that and started doing. Katrina. We had some teams that went down to Katrina to do some constructions. You may have, any, any here go to Katrina? Okay. Okay, one. Um, I'll tell you a story. Any of you remember Dorothy Johnson? She was my administrative assistant for a while, a delightful lady. She was 83 years old, I think, at the time. She went to Katrina. She went to Home Depot to learn how to do drywall. And she went down there. They lived in tents with mud. I mean, it was a mess. And I think Matt Pardee was putting the boards up and they were nailing them. She was putting tape on and doing all the things you do with tape and, and uh, the goop you put on it. Came back just laughing and enjoying it. It was doing something. The housing in Tijuana, vacation Bible school. You know, on and on and on about being the people of God and doing the work of God. When we have been at our best, 
is when we have been giving and doing and helping. And I think sometimes when we've been our least is when we've gotten tied up on other issues about who belongs and who doesn't. We're doing much better, and we do much better as God's people when we have a purpose to give ourselves to. There's also a part of this, what I like to call the mystery of it all. We like to say, what's the impact? What difference does it make? When I was ordained, we sang the hymn, which I asked him to sing today, Be Thou My Vision. The pastor, Reverend Dr. Richard Langford, mentor of mine, which our oldest son is named after, preached that sermon and he used the analogy of Johnny Appleseed. I've preached this sermon a couple of times. Here's the punchline. Any fool can core an apple and count the seeds. Only God can count the apples in the seeds. And our job in ministry and your job is to remember that we're on a journey and we're on a process of doing and we don't always know Rarely know, maybe, what the impact is. We just trust it. We just let it be. The results are up to God. We hope and we pray that we do it well, that we're caring, that things have tangible caring parts. Once in a while, you get an inkling. An inkling sometimes. Sometimes it hits you like a brick. But maybe what we're about is really important. I have to tell you that we were in church in Santa Barbara the other day and a couple of kids came up to see us. And they said, you remember us? And I'm sitting there thinking, you look like adults, but I think I knew you as kids. And then it was Jonathan and Hannah and they were telling about how they were getting married, and we had a long conversation. It just felt good to have someone want to say, we want to say hello. I um, have told my kids on several occasions that, uh, especially when they're not necessarily appreciating my value uh, as a parent, said, you know, you need to give me a little respect. You know, I am an international preacher. So what do you mean? I didn't say internationally known. I said an international preacher. And I said, well, you know what that WWW means, don't you? World Wide Web. Our sermons, Aubrey puts them on the Internet. And they're broadcast around the world. So that makes Dave and me international preachers. Well, I'm here to affirm to you that I got an email. And um, I guess the kids could tell you, yeah, it took the whole world before somebody valued your sermon. Uh, But these are the kinds of things that affirm what we do. The writer says, way back in 2019, a long time ago, you taught on the Valley of the Dry Bones. It's still available to watch online. 
Today, 5,000 miles plus away in Cornwall, United Kingdom, I was searching for something substantial and rooted in terms of teaching on that passage. I was really struggling, finding only whimsy and woolly allegory, milk, not meat. Then I stumbled across the video of your sermon. I just wanted to say thank you. Thank you for your faithful and accessible sketches of history, contextualization, and evident wisdom from the years you have spent holding space for people in their grief, decisions, and hopes of life. Your life of service and faithfulness shows in your gentle, merciful manner and measured guidance. Thank you particularly for bringing the word, its truth, and hope in God, who is able to resurrect thoroughly dead things for his glory. I'm not sure that's always true, but I think it's what we're about. And I wrote her a note back and just thanked her for her words, and she's right. The word of God does touch us. We don't know how, we don't know when. It's there, and we simply have to trust that. Our job is the journey The process is doing what's required of us. The results are up to God. We hope and we pray that we do it well. We hope that caring is tangible caring and it's helpful. What does it all mean? Wherever we go, Whatever our changes, and we do all leave at one time or another, all of us, something that never changes is we are God's people, and there's work to be done. Memories are important, but it's not a place to get stuck. Jeremiah says there's something new, something happening. In the midst of circumstances of early Israel, wondering what in the world is going to happen next, it didn't look so good, he's incredibly optimistic. You'll always be part of our hearts. We look forward with some anxiety with our new world and new normal. But I'm reminded of that passage that Charles Spenson often quoted. And by the way, Charles gave me an excused absence to be with you today. He thinks I'm working for him. <laughs> Probably right. From Isaiah 40, chapter 8, or 40, chapter, verse 8. The grass withers, the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord lasts forever. Thank you for being our friends. Thank you for the time of ministry we've had with you. And we hope we'll do some more talking at the 11 o'clock hour. And we might even share some stories by then. Thank you.